coast and throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. We're going to take you through the draft today with no one else but my good friend, Ronan. What's going on, man? Are you excited to talk some draft? I am. It was uh, it was a little bit more interesting than uh, than I thought it was going to be. There was a few more uh, surprise picks, a few guys that, that jumped right up late on in, uh, in people's estimations and a couple of guys that dropped down, but definitely a few steals in the draft last night, that's for sure. Absolutely. Man, I just love it every year just such an awesome opportunity we get to see 60 players 60 of the best players in the entire world have their dreams realized on the biggest stage prime time crazy stories um stuff like uh kuminga was i think he was the story was like he had to pay for internet time just to watch footage of kobe bryant he's going to do it like 30 minutes of time where he's from and now to see where he's at um and of course not not to start off on a sad note but but just have to talk about terrence clark man a story that is is sad in and of itself but really inspiring just to see his mom up there and to see the the lasting legacy he's had just um one of one of many many great stories that you know has a huge impact on sports world and all of us personally it was it's just amazing to see that and, and really just inspiring yeah, absolutely. It was a lovely, it was a lovely uh, gesture from uh, from the NBA. Obviously, we wish he was uh, he was actually getting drafted, but uh, it was a nice testament to him and and to his family. And I think they really you could you could see last night that how much how much it meant to them for that the NBA did that for them. Yeah, such a such a class move. Um, Adam Silver is great all night. Um, funniest moment from Adam Silver last night was when that that trade went down from what was it the Lakers then to the Wizards, to the Pacers, or from, okay, I, I can't even remember, but he was like reading it off and he just like, everyone was audibly confused. And he just looks up to the crowd and says, I'm just reading what's on the card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're under pressure there, you know, the, the, the camera's on you. You, you don't know, you, you're not prepared for this, you know? That's that's Woj's job to, to break down these these little <laughs> these little pieces of, of all these trades that most of the time, really don't make sense, especially when teams like OKC are involved. Um, but but let, let's jump into it. OKC being one of the uh, really interesting teams drafting this year. But you said it yourself. There's a lot of surprises. What, what for you was the most surprising pick in this draft? Uh, whew. Tough to make that call. There's a lot inside the top ten. I want to. I want to toot my own horn, but I, I'm pretty sure in our last in our preview podcast, I called Zaire Williams going to the Grizzlies. 
I'm pretty sure you did. I, I'm pretty sure I made that call. Like, I got you that did. one there. Got that one All right, right, I'll give you that one. You did call that. <laughs> did that you just did absolutely me, call that. But I mean, Josh Primo to the Spurs at number twelve. That was yeah. That what? Yeah, uh, that was a crazy one. I think. <laughs> I sent you his picture, and <laughs> you know, someone someone find this man's or this boy's. I mean, it's not a man. This boy's passport or something because he does not look a day over twelve years old. No, very very. I like yeah. No shock that he's dead, the youngest guy in the draft. Shocked that the Spurs went and picked him. But I still think this OKC, they, they really committed to, they showed how much they're committed to this rebuild, I think, with their selection of Josh Giddy at, at six. Uh, mm, young guy, mm-hmm. he's only 18, a lot of potential there. So they're clearly willing to develop him. Like They could have easily got a guy like uh, James Bocknight and he's a, a lot more developed he's obviously still he's still only gonna be he's still only a young kid but he's a lot I think he's a lot more developed with with his game than than Josh Giddy so I think OKC kind of showed their hand and showed their willingness to uh to commit to the to this rebuild that they're a part of now yeah I I definitely want to talk about OKC um when, when you start talking about where these teams are going with these picks and kind of the signals that we get to take a look at and Get to appear into where are these teams going to be going, um, but a- another player, another pick that we really are maybe not very very surprised with because there was smoke on it for the past month now, but Scotty Barnes goes fourth overall to Toronto, so no trade down, nothing like that. Seems like the Magic were happy to take whoever was going to them at five, but Suggs will not be a Raptor. They went up and they took Barnes in that Patrick Williams like move that we weren't sure was going to happen or not. And for a guy at his age, his position, um, we're just, I'm just a little, I'm a little curious about what, where this is going to go. And I did not list Barnes going forth necessarily as a draft fail, but I'm I'm still a little shocked that they didn't take Suggs. Suggs just seemed to me like the no-brainer pick at four, the no-brainer pick. Yeah, I think obviously, you know, I've I've really got high on Scotty Barnes over the last uh, couple of weeks, even just just looking into the draft. So I do believe there's a lot of talent there, but I just think all the talk was about Jalen Suggs going to Toronto. Obviously, I think there's a bit of talk of Jalen Green if he was to fall that that much as well. But I think all the major talk was Jalen Suggs going to Toronto. He's going to go in there. He's going to be the replacement for Kyle Lowry. And I think that's one of it, probably a big reason why we're so surprised by this pick, just because there was no chatter about them going for Scotty Barnes. But I guess now that probably makes sense why they uh, why they stayed at the four because they wanted Scotty Barnes to be their man. The real question now is is that going to be a signal for Siakam to head out the door? Because that's that's what the talk is now. It's, it's so interesting that that report came out, I want to say two weeks ago, that Siakam was reportedly unhappy. And I want to say that came from Sharania. So the report itself was pretty minimal. It was just that he was unhappy. And all of a sudden now, we have Scotty Barnes there. I mean, he's his natural position is going to be at the four spot. So they just took what seems to me to be Siakam's replacement. So we just went fast forward two weeks to 
I feel pretty positive that Siakam is on his way out just based on that pick alone. And I can't remember the last time that a, a guy of, of Siakam, Siakam stature in terms of a guy that just recently helped you win a championship, your young talent that you've grown there and have turned into an all-star that things have turned south so quickly um, and I'm not going to liken him to Jimmy Butler in terms of talent, but it feels like a Jimmy Butler type of thing where he's gotten too big, but in his own right, he hasn't really produced enough to be unhappy. So just, just a lot of confusing things with that situation as a whole. Yeah, definitely. I think in terms of Toronto, I guess they, they're, they're resigned that they're going to lose Kyle Lowry uh, mm-hmm. this offseason. And maybe they're thinking okay, we can move Siakam on for a few nice pieces and we can commit to a rebuild. Maybe, maybe that's what they're thinking is. It's, it's kind of hard to tell at this moment. But, I mean, outside of Lowry and Siakam, this team is quite young and quite average overall, really. So maybe this is the right time for them to to step up, get in a guy like Scotty Barnes and, and work towards having this team built up to be challenging maybe two, three years down the line. Yeah, I, and that's why the reason I really don't like it is this, and I'm not a GM and GMs will all say, you know, you draft for talent alone, mm-hmm. especially, especially in the lottery, you, you draft for best available and that's that. So it, it's tough for me to, to look at the both of these players though, and then look at their team and not say that I I would say they're both equally talented. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet money that either of them would be end up being better than the other, you know, that that's without having interviews, that's without having uh, workouts. So those are like the little pieces of information that, that we don't get as fans because there's something, there's something really important about, you know, did a guy work out for you? And Evan Mobley did not work out for the Houston Rockets. So, I mean, that was all they needed in terms of, you know, are we going to take green? Are we going to take Mobley? Well, this guy didn't even want to work out for us. And they're both pretty similar. So take him. So maybe it was something like that that played a role there for him being, for Suggs getting passed on. But if you get Suggs and you just insert him into that lineup, I mean, you have, he's going to be starting from day one. And if you're keeping Siakam happy, I mean, you hope that he continues to, to develop you have a starting five right there. It's going to compete for the playoffs, but now you have a situation where if you want Scotty Barnes to really develop, then, you know, Siakam's got to go. Maybe that doesn't happen this year, but if Siakam wasn't happy before the draft, I can't imagine why he'd be any happier after the draft. Uh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's what I was saying about, about them just looking towards rebuilding. Maybe they're, they're just saying, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll move on, see how can we get some good, uh, whether that be some young players or some, uh, some draft assets. I think that's, that's got, that looks to me what the plan is going to be uh, for the Raptors uh, move, move, moving forward from here. Mm-hmm. And one point about Barnes that I think should be interesting to watch for the next um, year, two years, is – Maybe, and this was mentioned by uh, Jay Bylas, and this is something you saw in the tape, is that Scotty Barnes does have passing ability. He does have passing chops, albeit mostly in, in the open court. So maybe they see him as a playmaking forward that, 
you didn't need Jalen. So you you're taking an uber athletic can defend one through four, maybe one through five forward who can play make for you. And Fred Van Vliet has clearly been a, a elite complimentary playmaker. Maybe, maybe that's their vision, but at the end of the day, it's Masai Ujiri, right? You, I, you, you scratch whatever your opinion is and you, you bow down to the guy who is, who has known how to draft over the years and build teams and knows how to win championship. Absolutely. <laughs> Want to talk about fails or are we going to, are we going to do the positives, negatives? Um, I mean, let's, let's get to grab into the fun ones. Jo- Jonathan Kaminga has won. You thought you were hearing rumors. He was going to drop out of the top 10, but instead the Warriors take him at, at number seven and then they get Moses Moody at number 14. So in that, they've got two players that are going to help them be set for a future without the Splash Bros, but at the same time, they're getting at least one guy who can come in next season and make a real big impact for them. Yeah, I think when I saw them take Kaminga, I was I was surprised because I thought that Moody definitely had the potential to go top 10. Mm-hmm. I thought the Kings were going to take him. And I thought the Grizzlies definitely were going to take him. I absolutely thought the Hornets would take him. And there's no reason in my mind why the Pacers didn't take him. So for, for me, the whole, the whole thing was get the most impactful young player. Like don't, don't draft Duarte at seven, but Moody seemed to me to be the best guy that you could bet on. And Hey, if he, if he develops some of his, uh, his individual shot creation and his ball handling, I mean, that unlocks a whole new level to his game. Now that's, that's something you don't see with a lot of players, but it's, it's still potential. So it's not like Moody is, is in none of these guys, really. I mean, when, when people are projecting out these players that they're, they've hit their ceiling and they're probably going to be this, like we, it's really hard to, to cap guys like that. And you never really know. But I was pretty surprised because it felt like, you know, their main priority in this draft wasn't to get a guy like Moody. It was to make sure that they hedged their, their bet for the future. And then that, that, that says a lot to me. That says a lot to me from what their front office wanted to get done here. If they weren't able to package them for a star, I think they're, they're ready to make sure there's a future after the Splash Bros. Yeah, and I, I think they've, they've done it pretty well for, for a team that was at number seven and number 14. I'd say they were over the moon when, Mo- when Moody was still on the board. Oh, my God. When, they, when it was coming down to their pick. I, I say there was a party in Golden State, no doubt. And to get a guy like Kaminga, I was seeing early on that he was top of the, the board for the Warriors. So they obviously had a plan for this guy. They obviously believe in his two-way ability and his just in immense athleticism. He's still only 18, so long way for him to develop into the talent that a lot of people expect him to be, and that's why he has dropped down to number seven. But if they can just develop his guy, even even if they send him to, to the G League again or something like that, they can find a way to develop this guy into the, the, Golden, the Golden State team it could be really scary to see what this team is set up with, with Moody and uh, Kaminga leading the way uh, in maybe a two, three years down the line. Yeah. I, 
I'm not that excited about it, to, to be honest. I, I, I like the idea of it, and, and I'm excited about the idea. But if we just look at facts, how raw was James Wiseman coming into the season? Very raw. He's very raw prospect. And, you know, with, with the way the Warriors wanted to run their system, he just wasn't ready to fill that role yet. And there was conflict. There, there was a little bit of friction between what the Warriors wanted to do, what, what the veterans on that team wanted to do, and what Wiseman was able to do. And I think there's going to be a big gap there for Jonathan Kaminga. Um, I, I think a lot, a lot less is going to be asked of him just because Wiseman was expected to do a lot more than just shoot threes in the corner and, and defend one-on-one. I mean, he's, he's expected to do a lot. I mean, the center position is a lot harder to adjust to. But for a guy like Kaminga, who's not well-known for his defense, not because of his physical stature, but because of his lack of attention to detail, his lack of IQ on that end, you know, it's going to lead to a lot of issues if he's on the court with, with Draymond and he's missing an assignment. I mean, Draymond's not going to sugarcoat it. He's going to let him know. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious to see how he's going to adjust to that and how many minutes he's really going to get on the floor if he's not able to hold his own on that end of the floor. And then you talk about the shooting. I mean, the, the shooting isn't there yet. I mean, there's a lot of potential for it, but that's all it is right now. So in this first year, I don't see him really getting a lot of minutes. I mean, I would not be shocked if, like you said, he's going to the, he's being sent down to the G League and he's playing – you know, 10 minutes, 10, averaging 10 minutes a game. Yeah. I think Moses Moody, on the other hand, he's going to have a big role in this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think there's that, obviously it's it's all potential really with Kaminga, but yeah, with Moody, you're, you're really getting a guy that's going to come in next season and he's going to make a, a, an impact, likely going to be off the bench, of course, but he's going to come in and, and kind of, bridge the gap that there was last year when Curry was on the bench and now you're going to have hopefully uh, Clay is going to be back fully healthy and the two of them are going to be out there but when they're on the bench and when they're needed to get some rest which they obviously have to do as we've seen this year players need to rest or else they're going to they're going to uh, they're going to go down at, at the crucial moment so Moody can come in and he can really bridge that gap and he can perform a very very important role for this um this Golden State team in the first year, obviously they're going to be disappointed they didn't get to start. That's what they wanted. That's what you can argue they needed, especially uh, seeing what trades went down last night and what teams are already around. But getting a guy like Moody in the draft, getting a guy that's capable of coming in and making an, an immediate impact at number 14 in the draft, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that, let's say it right now. When the Cavs drafted Andrew Wiggins... They did not, no one was thinking immediately that they're going to trade, flip him for Kevin Love. And everyone was thinking, all right, this is the Andrew Wiggins time. And, uh, oh, LeBron's coming back. It's going to be Andrew Wiggins and LeBron. And then slowly it was like, wait, he's going to get traded. And then that whole fiasco of Wiggins just wanting to be wanted. Uh, I just remember how sad that was. Um, But I think you you just drafted a guy in Kamingo who you could argue – might have, I mean, he still has that pedigree and that potential to be one of the best players in this draft, regardless of how long it takes. So, I mean, that's something you can sell to a lot of teams. 
and Moses Moody, that's a guy who's going to be a contributor. They drafted not just future players for them, but assets in the now. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that trades are definitely done yet. And as we'll see, as we talk about um, some of the ripple effects of this draft, I mean, a lot of players are clearly available Mm -hmm. for the right price, but let's, let's keep talking about some of these, these guys here. And you mentioned, um, you mentioned uh, book night before we were talking about him going in the top 10 when we talk about surprises or steals, whatever you want to call it, I, I think this is one of the steals that I, I was thinking of. Yeah, Hornets getting James Booknight at 11. People weren't sure if the Magic were going to take him five and that it, we had a feeling that, you know, the Thunder were definitely going to take him at six. And that if not, there's no way he was going to go past the Warriors. He ends up going 11th. He ends up going to 11th to the Charlotte Hornets who in my mind had one of the better drafts tonight, last night. Yeah, definitely. So what, what, what do you think of their, their team now with the players that they've got here? They got James Booknight, and then they made a trade with the Knicks. I'm sure you're very sad to see uh, Kai Jones getting sent off to, to the Hornets. But with, with Kai Jones and with Booknight, they just surrounded LaMelo with more shooting and an uber-athletic big. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's a re- going to be really cool. Like the the Hornets absolutely nailed the last year when they drafted the Mellow Ball. Obviously, he had a bit of struggle with injury early on in the season. He struggled a bit, but he really came into his own uh, later on in the season. And now they've come out again, and they've absolutely nailed it. They've got exactly the type of players that you would need around a guy like Lamelo Ball, and with Booknight, the scoring that he can add, the length that he provides it's it's a really impressive pickup and an absolute steal that was one that was like you said that was one of the main ones i was looking at as well him falling out to 11 that that could prove unbelievable for for the hornets and definitely one of the steals of this draft no doubt about it yeah think about how this team is going to look in three years if if book night is a bona fide scorer and he's surrounded by guys like LaMelo, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington. And if Kai Jones, Kai Jones has a lot of potential, man. And he's that kind of guy where he's either going to be really, really good or he might be kind of a bust. But for them to be able to swing on him, a guy at 6'10", who is right now, I, I think he'll at least be an elite rim runner, if nothing, to, to be surrounded by a team led by Borrego that play play makes for each other. They're unselfish. They love to run the floor. This is just like a perfect situation for these two guys to get drafted in. And three, three, three years down the line, the way that the Hawks have ascended, I would not be surprised if the Hornets are looking at this young team and they're already pushing for the playoffs, if not next year, minimum the year after. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And especially in the Eastern Conference, like we always say, uh, obviously he's is slowly getting better, but at the same time, you still think that there's that little bit more openness in the East for, for teams outside mm-hmm. of the playoffs to to be able to to break in year on year compared compared to the West and the Hornets. Yeah. Especially with the playing tournament, they're absolutely going absolutely going to be challenging for that this year. That has to be their minimum expectation. Yeah. Who else do you think is a steal? Um I think Sangoon was an mm-hmm. interesting one. Yeah. 
I was yeah. a bit surprised OKC traded a Shot. little bit. But he plays the same position as uh, your your buddy, doesn't he, on OKC? Um, He's sure. on Poku? Yeah. What day po- they po- play? Who knows what Poku plays? Poku is a seven-foot, like, shot-blocking shooting playmaking wing slash big and the, I, I think OKC seems to love these type of multiple players because I mean they just took the other surprise of the draft Josh Giddy, yeah who's a, a playmaking power forward who can't shoot um the these that that move was interesting to me because I thought Shangun would be great on that team I thought he'd be fantastic on that team yeah, me too. and the Rockets Talk about winners of this draft. They really cashed in. Mm -hmm. They cashed in hard on this draft. And you don't really see a lot of teams drafting that many young guys all at once. And I think the main thing is how hard it is to develop players, especially at the same time. You don't see that very often. So, I mean, I'm I'm not sure how many of these guys are going to turn out just because they're all trying to develop at the same time. But they just got Jalen Green who is a bona fide future all-star. And I think everyone agrees that, you know, we don't know where his defense is going to go, where his playmaking is going to go, but he's going to be a guy who's at a minimum, a 20 point per game score at the bare minimum. Alperin Shangun, who is the youngest MVP, we said it in the second best international league. And no one does that except for your Luka Doncic. We're not saying he's going to be Luka Doncic, but this guy is a hell of a good player at 19 years old. And then Usman Garuba. I I don't know if I'd qualify him as a steal, but for him to fall past the Knicks, for him to fall past the Hawks and the Thunder, teams who, who could really use some defense, the Rockets just got a guy who we covered recently who has the instincts of Draymond Green. He has all the physical tools to be an elite defender. And then they get Josh Christopher, a McDonald's All-American. I mean, he definitely fell in this draft, but he seems to be one of those guys that you see the talent there. It didn't come out in the college stage and you can just bet on it. So they, they're taking shots on guys here who at a minimum are going to be productive players. And they could have just drafted a couple of future All-Stars in one draft. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. They're, they're definitely, I think... Uh... You have to give it to them, or probably, or maybe the Magic as uh, probably the winners of this, of the of this draft. But it was just smart, smart work. Obviously, they had a couple of the picks already, and then they they made trades for for some picks too. And it's just great work out of the front office to get to get this done. I mean, Garuba could prove a huge defensive anchor for them. You look at Sangoon if he can develop beyond. Obviously, I think the post scoring is kind of his main thing at the moment, and the potential is there, but. There's a lot of weaknesses in his game, and if he can develop them right, he's definitely uh, capable of being a future all-star in this league. And then, like you said, Jalen Green. Maybe there's there's some weaknesses in his game, but scoring and athleticism, he's going to be an instant highlight reel and a lot of fun to to see develop out there in Houston. Yeah, I we'll, we'll definitely talk more Rockets um, in our off-season previews, but... I'm excited for this young team. They're not going to be a playoff team, definitely not. But you love to see teams like, like the Grizzlies, who just have a squad of young guys who are all really meant to play together. And I think you see Houston's vision pretty clearly here. They have all the young pieces to develop an identity around pace 
defense. And then you got an all-star and John Wall and a rising player and Christian Wood. Who knows where Kevin Porter Jr. goes from here. But they really have an athletic and defensive-minded team that's going to compete. They're going to compete night in, night out. They're not going to be a fun team to run with at all. Um, they're not going to be a playoff team next year, but look out, man. They, they've got a young nucleus of very intriguing players already. A year after losing James Harden, they already have an intriguing group of players here. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 going to be a, going to be a fun watch. One one team I think as well that did pretty well is is, is the Grizzlies. Uh, obviously, it's potential a lot of potential in Zaire Williams, but they got uh, Jared Jared Butler at with the the number forty pick, and I think that's a real interesting one. I, I like I like this guy. I'm surprised he fell as low he as he fell. did. He, he fell, fell far. There's got to be some sort of reason. I don't, I'm not sure who who he uh, who he mm. worked out with or, or what, but I think it's it's a heart it's the heart issue, and mm. it's the I mean the size and his age. I think especially the heart issue. I think a lot of teams were a little worried about that. Yeah, no doubt about it. But I think in the right situation, he could he could prove an important asset to a team, especially like the Grizzlies. If he's coming off the bench. The scoring he can provide off the dribble, the playmaking that he can provide to to a second unit, I think he could prove to be a real clever, real clever pickup from this uh, from this Grizzlies franchise. And he's a dog. He's a dog. The Grizzlies love their dogs. That guy is a dog. Um, insert PJ Tucker audio here. <laughs> but the the Grizzlies to to be able to swing on a guy like Z- Zaire Williams, you, you mentioned him for a second. That that's a really really great pick for me mm. I, I wasn't sure about it when they did it um at pick 10 but the more i think about it you know they they took a swing on the guy that they think has the highest potential right there and you can definitely make an argument for zaire williams and he's a guy that immediately defensively is going to fit that identity um there on the wing so if they they just solve their issue right there with, with wing defense and shooting you know the the Grizzlies. I mean, they they haven't missed. Yeah. Think about all their picks in the past couple of years. They've hit on literally everybody, literally everybody. There's not been a single player down to your uh, Xavier Tillmans that have not been able to produce on an NBA court. Yeah, and that's what you hope as well for 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 Zaire. He's six eight, seven foot wingspan. Defense, I think, will be there more so than the offense in, in his rookie season, but. He's got serious potential to become a serious three and D wing in this in this league, and that's that's the type of player that all teams uh, competing for for the playoffs these days need in their squad. What about the negatives? I want. I think there were some fails here. There 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 were some epic fails, and I think there were some some minor fails. Um, the the worst of all, the the absolute worst of all, has to be the Kings oh, yeah. at nine picking. Davion Mitchell at nine. They picked a six foot one guard to go with their two guards that they already have set up there in Sacramento. If you're picking for talent, I mean, that wasn't the guy there. If you're picking for fit, that wasn't the guy there. So I don't really understand this pick. I mean, can, can you help me with this or is there just nothing to it? Oh, no, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I did. 
the sense around this. Like you could hear the shock around the uh, the Barclays Center last night when this pick was announced. I think everyone was just like, "What the fuck are they doing?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone can really confusion. grasp it. Audible I, confusion. I hope the Kings have a plan. I don't know. Maybe they are in talks with a team over a trade, and they were told to draft this guy. Who knows what might come out later, but on paper, just looking at it, epic, epic fail. That, like that's you, you don't draft for fit, but that that wasn't that just was so obviously not the right pick. And and that's just the common theme of our podcast, right? Just I we hope the Kings have a plan. That how many times does that come up every single time we talk basketball? It's how just always so plan? confusing. <laughs> Shangun was there. Yeah. Shangun was right there. You're not going to have Holmes. He's probably going to get signed elsewhere. I, I doubt they're going to match for whatever he gets offered. And Bagley has clearly been an issue. You're not sure he's going there. I mean, Shangun so obviously checked the boxes for them, needing an inside scoring presence. And I mean, what about Kai Jones? I mean, I, I would have been okay if they swung for Kai Jones. I mean, if they wanted him an impactful older player, then why didn't you take Moody? Like th- there's just too many ways to do this right. That it just blew my mind that they went out left and picked Avion Mitchell. It's almost like they, they had a big board that completely neglected their, the makeup of their team. They just had their own big board. Forget about our team. We'll just have our own big board and uh, we'll just, we'll just see how it goes here. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that, that, that's Sacramento for you. And it, he wasn't even the uh, yeah uh, but at the end of the day that was that was a a weird pick Davion Mitchell as an individual player awesome 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 talent I think he's going to be a, immediately an impact defender um he's going to be a great playmaker he's going to be a really good shooter he's going to bring everything you'd want from the point guard position Maybe not at an all-star level, but he's going to be a productive player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But for a team like the Kings, who really needed to get this right, that just wasn't that that just wasn't the pick. And it, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for him trying to find a role here. I mean, as a backup point guard, sure. Now I sure. But I, I I doubt that I doubt like that's gonna lead to him really popping as a player in the NBA. I, I hope that, like you said, maybe there's a there's a move that hasn't been done yet, but the Kings have not been known to make a lot of really shrewd moves. <laughs> so what about the Magic? You said you said the Magic won. I say they got lucky. That's uh, that, that's fair enough, but I, I, I like the pick of, uh, of Wagner with the eight pick and Mm. I would have been happy with either of Barnes or Suggs at, at, at the five. It's just the question now for the Magic really outside of this draft is, is Suggs and Anthony the future and is Fultz going to fall by the wayside now? Yeah, that that's the interesting question. I, I think Suggs, Suggs was a no-brainer. They got lucky. They just lucked into a guy who's going to be a multi-time all-star at a minimum. Um, I Again, I'm huge on that guy. I still can't believe Toronto passed on him. But they got lucky with that. I think if they take Barnes, you got more question marks in terms of fit with Jonathan Isaac, who they've already paid and invested in. But Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, 
they those those aren't names that, that worry me when you when you talk Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs, you take that. But Franz Wagner, Franz Wagner, is that the kind of guy you want to get in the top ten for a team like the Magic? For a team like the Magic who does not yet have the guy, obviously they just restarted a rebuild. They they don't have a guy that they can confidently say is going to be their future star. I mean, you swing with that. You swing with that. How many chances do you get to swing? And that was a safe pick. It was. It was, but I think when we look back on this in maybe two, three years down the line, I think they're going to realize that it was a smart pick, especially if Suggs can can become, uh, like, break through his, his seal and beyond for them. But he's going to bring solid defense. He's going to bring three-point shooting. He's got size. He's just going to be an honest competitor. I think that's what we're going to see out of a guy like Franz Wagner. And do you do you draft honest competitors in the top ten? I I mean, who else? Who else are you thinking you go for there? For the Magic, I would. Yeah. I immediately was confused why they wouldn't take Book Knight when he's still there. I mean, they don't have a guy who's just a bucket getter. They do not have a bucket getter, and that is what you get with Book Knight. I guess they just didn't want him to drop another guard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they uh. that was that was probably it. That was that was probably a fear they had. They know they already have a few. They know they've already drafted one, drafted another. But Cole Anthony and, and Fultz aren't going to slot in at the two. Just not. Cole Anthony doesn't have the size of the defense for that. I mean, Fultz could, but he doesn't have the shooting for it. I, mm. I think Book Knight would have been a perfect two. And I mean Moody's there. They they don't they don't have a shooting wing right now. Shangun yeah. so, so, was there. They went safe. We, we can we can we can both agree on that. But I think looking back, we'll probably we'll probably say that it was it it was it was the right pick in the end. Because I believe that Jalen Suggs is gonna become a guy that can at least be a, a multi-time all-star, like you said. Uh I don't know. I I I cause when I when I look at these drafts, then I, I think back on like the the Giannis draft, where where you look at a guy like Kelly Olenek and you go, how the hell did that guy get drafted before Giannis? Or you, you look at uh, who who was it Flynn Johnny Flynn drafted before Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio getting drafted before Curry, and you go, how the hell did these guys get drafted before this guy? And I and I look at Franz Wagner. I, I see a guy who's just the prototypical safe lottery pick that you look back five years and you're like, what the hell? How did that guy get picked <laughs> before Zaire Williams, before James Booknight, like before Alfred Shangun? I mean, it, I, I feel like I can name too many guys who were good risks that it didn't make sense to me that they made a safe pick in a period of time where, you know, you just started a rebuild. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. On a side note, it is cool. Mo, Mo Wagner and, and Franz Wagner. You got you got the Wagner brothers. Maybe, maybe that's what you're going for. They're gonna do that. They're, they're, they want to do. They want to. They want to replicate the Antetokounmpo brothers. You know, win a title together in Orlando. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, we we already we already talked about. I I, I put passing on Suggs as a draft fail. So I, we we already talked about Toronto. Um, I won't harp on that too much. But what do you think about the Pacers? Talking about safe picks. 
Duarte? At 13, they get Duarte. So oldest player um, in the draft, I want to say. Um, he's at least the oldest player in the top 20, at a minimum. 24 years old. Um, funny we're saying that's old. I'm sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, weird, it's weird talking basketball as you start to get older, man. Yeah. But at 13, for here's how I see it. The Pacers, they're revamping their team. They got the new coach. They got a new feel. They feel like they're going to compete next year. So ideally, you're not really going to be picking this high again. 13 is, is going to be probably the highest you pick if, if everything goes right. Um, so Chris Duarte is a guy who's definitely going to contribute, but you have moves to make. You have the caps. You have cap space. You have free agency. Why not take a swing? Like, the, it. What, why Indiana, not take a Indiana swing? Indiana don't take swings. Come on. Or or at least or at least or at least take the do do what you always do and take the white guy. I, I would have loved to see Corey Kispert there. That that fits. That he's yeah. he's gonna be Doug McDermott with defense. Yeah, right. I, was actually, I was a bit surprised they went for uh, for Duarte over Kispert, but at the same time, I think looking at this Pacers team, they they wanted to bring in a guy that can provide an immediate impact. Duarte is going to be able to do that. He's going to be what they're hoping be a knockdown scorer. He's going to be able to space the floor for them, and that's going to that's going to provide some some decent offense for them. I think that's all they were really looking for. I don't think they, I don't think they really looked into too many of the prospects here. I think they looked at the guys that could provide the impact for them right as soon as they are drafted and Duarte fit that build. And that's why they went with them. It, it feels like TJ McConnell insurance. Maybe I'm crazy, but hmm. TJ McConnell has been an incredibly productive player off the bench for them. Um, We'll see who ends up making an offer to him this uh, this free agency, but they're probably not going to. They're definitely not going to be able to pay him and Doug McDermott. So you know, maybe maybe that's the they they just drafted um, Isaiah Jackson and they drafted Chris Duarte. That's their insurance for both those guys. But and to think about to think about the players you miss on mm. that that's 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 the thing for me that always drives me nuts, especially for teams who are not going to draft again in the, in the lottery. I, I think the Pacers are going to be a great team next year. They're not going to have another shot at, at getting this high in the lottery for a while. Yeah, no doubt about it. They're, they're just going to be they're solid. They'll, they'll be up there around around the six or seven spot in the East, no doubt, no doubt about it, maybe even higher. That's just yeah. what that's what you always picture when you picture the Pacers, right? Around, around that mark, and then they'll be tough to beat in the first round. <laughs> Where where do we see uh where do we see the Pistons going next year? You, you had that obvious pick in Cade Cunningham. He just he just looked the part. He talked the part. He seems to be the exact kind of guy that you want to get at number one. Who's not just a stud. He's a leader, and he knows how, how to be. He just carries himself like a star. Mm. And I'm really interested to know what you what you uh what you think they're going to be like next year if, if kate's already an impactful player and you know maybe you get a little bit more out of killian hayes do you think they're going to be a competitor uh no i think they'll definitely they'll be showing they'll show signs that the future is bright i think and they'll improve on last season but i don't think they'll be uh i don't think they'll they'll be competing Maybe, maybe just challenge for 
for a late spot in the old playing tournament, but I think that'll be a, that'll be even that'll be a, a huge jump for them. It kind of depends. Obviously, can Cade live up to the hype? It's going to get bigger and bigger until the season starts. We'll see what his uh, mentality is like as, as we get closer to the season. And can the the Pistons uh, other role players produce? That's 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 a big question. They they're not the complete package yet. Still a lot of young guys, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a similar sort of situation to uh, to to Doncic's first year in in Dallas, I think. Well, I, I think Cade, you know, while he's going to be the most notable player that the Detroit Pistons draft this year, I think you really gotta look hard at my guy Luca Garza. Luca Garza got drafted 52nd overall this year. He was the arguably the best player, hands down, in basketball last year in, in, uh, in NCAA. And, I mean, it, how often do you see a guy at 6'11", 265, and have that touch that he has? He scored 24 points per game. He's got touch. He's shoot, shooting 20, 71% from free throw. He's a 44% three-point shooter, nine boards a game almost two assists a game. He's clearly an all-around player. At 50 and 52, he could be one of the – I think he might be one of those second-round picks. I, just looking at the, the guys who went in the second round, you know, you talked about Jared Butler. I think there's some impactful players. Luca Garza definitely is going to be one of them, especially with Mason Plumlee getting traded over to Charlotte. He's got an opportunity to be an impactful player out in Detroit. He's so good. Why is he dropped so low? What what age is he's he? He's old. He's a senior. Oh, he's old. Okay. He's, okay. he's 24. I I think a lot of you know, a lot of teams, he's he's just that guy. There's always a guy every year who's just like too good in college and too old and too traditional that you know, no, no it's not cool. It's not a cool pick. It's it's not it's not the guy you go for. Hmm. So maybe it just doesn't translate, but I just think he's just too. He was too talented in college basketball, too dominant to not have some impact. And everybody needs a guy who can score down low, who can pass out of the post. And if he can space the floor a little bit, you know, that that's a steal for me. Getting a getting a 6'11, 265, rebounding, shooting big, who's got touch inside. Sounds sounds like a winner anyway. I'm happier about uh, the Bulls pick. I'm happy about the Bulls pick. Thirty-eight. They did in the second round. They got Ayo Dosun Dosunmu Dosunmu from Illinois. So he's a Chicago kid, first of all, first and foremost. Him and Derrick Rose are the only two Chicago-born players to be drafted by the Bulls since the lottery era. And this guy is a combo guard. Play defense. Can shoot the ball. You know, he's, he's not as, as much of a vertical athlete as, as you'd hope with his size, but I think the, the Bulls might have got their insurance for Tomas Sadoransky. And, you know, the sky's the limit for a Chicago kid. We, we know the, what happened last time the Bulls picked a point guard in the draft from Chicago. A little bit different, but okay. <laughs> How do you feel about your Knicks? Oh, man, once they started trading down, I didn't really know what was going on there. Uh... When they had the nineteen and twenty-one picks, I, I liked I liked where they had gone with the picks. With uh, but to be honest, when I saw when I saw the trade down, I was kind of looking at the guys like, 
Was there a reason why they were trading down? And Keon Johnson too, going to the Clippers. Mm. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that it's boomer bust. Yeah. Keon Johnson definitely has an opportunity to be a great player on the on the Clippers, and I, I think that the I don't know I, I wanted the Knicks to take a shot, take take a shot on hey, somebody. I wanted them to do that too, and said they decided to trade down, and then uh, looking at the guys they were drafting, I'm not I'm thinking. I have absolutely no idea what you're going to bring to this team next year. Quentin Grimes. He looks like a competitor that Tom Thibodeau would love. Well, I hope so. I, I, I hope any of the players that are coming in, if uh, if Tom Thibodeau didn't give his uh, didn't give his okay, I'd be worried about you. Tom Thibodeau. I mean, you put you put any of these anyone who's got that hustle, that defensive mentality wants to really be gritty. I mean, they're, they're going to, they're going to thrive there in New York. And clearly, I mean, based, based on his profile, just looking, looking at what he's known for, just, I, I think that's going to be a great marriage there, but yeah, you do wish that you had your guy, Kai Jones. When, when I, when I saw the next draft him, I thought they were keeping him and that would have been great insurance for Mitchell Robinson, but that's, that's too bad. And then passing on Keon Johnson too. But they clearly want to be players in free agency. They they want to, they want to oh, clear yeah. as much space as they, they can. They have to be yeah yeah that does they have to be huge players. They're obviously they've obviously seen something that's made them that little bit little bit more confident. I think that's why they were okay with trading down. I don't know what it is. I don't know what they've heard, but the fact that they were willing to trade down, there's obviously something that's that's making them feel that little bit little bit more confident than usual about uh, about uh, getting some players in free agency. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where that confidence goes. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, a lot, a lot of these moves are, are really indicative of where some of these teams are going. Um, the most interesting move we have to talk about that happened on draft night. Now, the was it the 22nd pick was traded from the Lakers, but very small fish compared to the fact that they just got Russell Westbrook. More interesting, the fact that they were really, really pushing for a trade for Buddy Heald, which may or may not have included the 22nd pick. It still would have included, um, I think it was, it was, it was Casey. No, you, they would have kept KCP. It was for Montrez Harrell and for Kyle Kuzma and potentially this pick or a future pick. And instead they go for Russell Westbrook. So I, I don't know what your initial thoughts of it was, but I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't tell you that I feel very good about it. In, in what way? Well, number one, number one, the only players that they have on the books right now is Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Alfonso McKinney, and Marcus All. So they could resign. It's not a Caruso. bad no, that, <laughs> Dude, it, it takes more than five players to play basketball, and it, I look at LeBron. He didn't even survive this season playing the amount of minutes that he did. They have to re-sign Caruso. They have to re-sign uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, who we don't even know if he's going to have an NBA shot next year. I mean, that was it was clear. It was really exciting to, to see him in the preseason and do what he did uh, in certain flashes last year. Enough flashes where there's reports that some – GMs would be willing to max him at around 20, 20 a year to peel him away from the Lakers. And now that is absolutely an option. If 
some team sees star written all over Taylor Horton Tucker, the Lakers will not be able to afford that. If they're even offering him like 15, won't be able to, to keep him. And so they, they got to get Caruso back. And then what's left is veteran, veteran minimum and 5.9 million mid-level exception. What the hell kind of team are you going to put around Russell Westbrook who can't shoot threes and is not a good off-ball player? LeBron James, who's really been relegated to, and I mean, I'm not going to take away from LeBron James. I mean, he's clearly still able to, to put out star numbers, but when you watch him play, he's no longer really blowing by guys. He's relying on his power. He's relying on the post a lot. So you have LeBron James and ADA, two guys who are going to really rely on the post. And then Russell Westbrook, who's really going to rely on his downhill speed and getting into the paint as he always does and posting up guards where does that all fit together it's i mean it just doesn't seem like any like thought was put into this besides let's get another star i i think that was probably the main pulling no doubt about it that they wanted they wanted a third star they seeing talk even in the last couple of days kind of the lakers kind of realizing that the window for uh for AD and LeBron is a little bit smaller than they thought, so they had to make a move like that. But I would have to think there was a little bit of thinking, but given that they were, they seemed to be in discussions with a lot of different guys. Yeah, a little bit. Like just seemed, a little bit. They seemed to be talking with DeRozan. They seemed to be talking, obviously, with the Kings, and then they went over with with Russ as well. So there had to be some sort of planning in there, and you had to think they wouldn't just mortgage their future just to bring in a. To bring in Russell Westbrook, you have to think there there's something uh, they have something in the works that they know they're going to be able to build a solid team around around that the, the fire that you said they've already got on the books. I think a big miss is going to be KCP for them. I think he's going to they're going to they're going to miss his uh, his defense and his shooting uh, around around the, the Lakers team. No doubt about that. Even more so probably than than Kuzma. Now I'm just seeing. Kuzma's always talking about how great he is. Can he go and be a a, a guy who's scoring either side of 20 points every night? Now is his chance in Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm not really going to watch because I think I know how that's going to go. But um, <laughs> he's he's no – I don't even think he's even near the talent of, of guys like that I'm intrigued by, like Hachimura and, and uh, Denny. I, I think Kuzma, he might get moved again. Who knows? But I think that was more a move from the Wizards side of things um, to get cap space. So you flip that situation. Now, now the Wizards have more flexibility to build around Beal. The Lakers have zero flexibility. And you can talk to me about, oh, well, the, the Nets, they're able to do it with three players. Well, yeah, the Nets also had their whole team under team control. I mean, and they could do that. So they, they had options. They had assets. The Lakers are bereft of assets and they're bereft of players under team control. And this team is literally going to be filled out by the veteran minimum. I mean, how many guys are you really going to get with that? So it, I, I understand it from the point of, you know, when you're in, when you're in the throes of the playoffs and you're, ultimately your goal is being in the throes of the, the NBA championship. If you're facing KD, if you're facing Harden and Kyrie, you want to have a big three who's going to step, step up to that. I get the idea. 
it, it makes sense. But when you think about the the basketball fit, it just doesn't fit at all. There's there's no there's no fit here. I I honestly, I call me crazy. I honestly think Buddy Heald on that team would have given them a lot a lot more production on the court than Russ is going to. Yeah, no, that, that that's a fair point. You have to you have to wonder what it was that made them move off of uh, move away from the talks with uh, Sacramento and, and move forward with the talks with with Washington. Did something happen, or did they just kind of think, yeah, star power? That's it. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird it's 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 a weird situation. Maybe it's just all that they they thought we have to do this. We have no other choice go all in even if it's only for a year we give put everything we possibly can into it for a year to, to win one more championship and if that's that's all we can get that's all we can get it's kind of that that's kind of the uh the attitude that you're you, you see coming out coming out of that a move like that i mean even even with flexibility and assets rob palinka put together a really wonky team that lebron james will to a championship they they didn't they didn't have the shooting and the playmaking around LeBron to to really to really make it a convincing one. But I mean the LeBron James was LeBron James and they they won the championship in a in a weird year. I do you really think Palenka is gonna figure out a a magic way to figure this out? I mean Sean Marks for for the Nets. Sean Marks is a wizard. I mean that that guy. No, he's he's on the level of um, of oh, I'm forgetting his name from uh, from the Rockets on the 76ers now from uh, Maury Maury he's he's a he's a he's a Daryl Maury type he just isn't on the news all the time Sean Marks I mean that guy knew how to put to get the nets together and figure it out with with the veteran members the mid level exceptions and and swinging players the way he did I I don't think the Lakers are built like that I haven't seen it from them. Yeah. in the the way they've operated the last few years. That is fair, but I think as long as they've got AD and LeBron on their team, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to rule them out. Yeah, I'm not rule I'm not ruling them out. I I I just I'm worried about a team that LeBron is going to have to will to win. And he's it's going to be just a clunky fit with him and, and Russ. I mean, what is what is Russ supposed to do when, when LeBron's on the court? Mm. What, yeah. like what, what is what does he do for for LeBron yeah I don't know I don't know what the plan is there uh I know like obviously if you're talking like 80s gonna play more minutes at center this year or whatever he better he has to LeBron is a primary handler of the ball so is Westbrook Westbrook does all his best stuff when he's on the ball so does so does LeBron yeah uh, <laughs> that that uh that could be that could be troublesome but like uh, my opinion is always that when you're a gr- great players, always learn how to play together. Look at look at Kyrie and Harden. They both they both can play off ball, and they both are fan- amazing elite three point shooters. Okay, that's they can fair, create their yeah. own shot. But at the Go. same time, it's 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 happened before where you've questioned how these guys can play together, and the truly elite players when they are put into a team together. They figure it out. They figure out how. How did Har- how did Harden and Westbrook figure it out? How did that go? But it wasn't really the same. Harden was coming off the bench a lot in the, in that sort of situation. No, 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 no. In 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 Houston. Oh, in Houston. 
Well, to be honest, that that well, that that could it could turn out the same way. That was a desperation heave. This could turn out being the exact same thing. Yeah, I mean, Westbrook people work. people were maligning Westbrook for like falling off a cliff and being done as an NBA star because he did exactly what the Rockets told him to do: go be stand in the corner, be a three point shooter, and be a better cutter and set some screens. And his numbers plummeted. He had the worst year of his professional stretch of being a, a good player he said he had the worst year since since like i, I want to say it was the second or third year as a pro mm. so as, as an off-ball player russell westbrook is not a good player so okay maybe lebron james the, the only way this works the only way this works i see this is if ad is really committed to playing the five and lebron is going to play more off ball. I mean, he said when he went to the Lakers, that was something he wanted to explore. So maybe this is an iteration of that. Maybe that works like that. If, if Russ is the primary, primary playmaker and LeBron James really works on being a better spot up shooter and being a, a, I don't know, man, if, if Russ is on the floor, I mean, that's, that's just double teams galore for, for both AD and LeBron if they want to get points inside. Yeah, but that's 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 why you have a guy. That's why you bring in a guy like Rossi. He's still still a demon t- uh, running down the floor. If he's got the balls in his hands, he's still he's still one of the guys you believe will be able to make will be able to make something happen. The problem is that, like you said, neither him or a like LeBron isn't the most amazing off ball player you've ever seen. But he's uh, definitely a guy that you would are able to rely on to, to, to play off ball and get his bit. If he's willing to, to make that sacrifice to win another championship, I believe that he's going to do it to the best of his ability. Yeah. And that, but that's, and that's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to harp on this last part and I'll, I'm done. I promise. But you want LeBron to be LeBron to win you a championship and, and LeBron being LeBron in the playoffs, you want the ball in his hand. You want him to be playmaking for others. You want people to be spacing the floor for him. You want smart cutters, guys who are unselfish and screening for others. And, and you want that action off ball with LeBron demanding the ball. Do you want Russell, is, is this the experiment? So LeBron is off ball. You, you, you try to run that and have Russell Westbrook run things because that, that's what it's going to be to be the most effective version of what they are together. As opposed to if if you just had Buddy Healed and you got to keep KCP and you got flexibility to to get more shooters and you could still re-sign Schroeder, it's you basically traded away everything for Russell Westbrook. You traded away flexibility, your current play, your current roster to have this big three and hope, yeah. like you said, hope that they just figure it out. Hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if that's just uh, fear of what they saw with the Nets and what they might be if they're <laughs> they're healthy. I really don't know. You're, you're you're. I think you are right. I think this there wasn't a whole lot of thinking in this move. That was yeah. like he's the biggest star that it's possible for us to get. Let's go out and get him. Yeah, and maybe and it, yeah. And maybe not having faith in uh, in LeBron and AD's health, thinking we're gonna to have to rest them more, a lot more yeah. this this year. So we need we need a guy like like Russ to be able to to fill the shoes if we have to rest them. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a question fair, mark it's a at fair the point. moment, but we'll, we'll we'll see we'll we'll see how uh, how they build the team around them now uh, for the rest of the offseason. Yeah, and just wrapping up here, we didn't get the chance to talk about 
um, any free agency stuff. It starts on technically August 2nd. You know, teams are definitely talking, you know, you know, there's already deals in the, in the works, just, you don't know about it yet. We'll see who gets caught. Uh, my, my money is definitely on the Lakers, <laughs> but man, a lot of players are gettable right now, especially after the draft. You look at Shea Gilgis Alexander, where, where are they going? Where's Siakam going to go? Cam Reddish is apparently available. Hachimura or Denny, maybe they're available because of what moves the Wizards have made. Kevin Porter Jr., Cole Anthony, there's just a lot of names that you're not sure, you know, maybe these guys get traded, maybe they get signed elsewhere, especially the restrictive free agent market. So excited to jump into that soon. We'll be covering that next week. But anything anything else on the horizon we 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 got to talk about here. Nah, it's going to be it's going to be uh, trades and and different things over, over the next while. What's going to happen with Ben Simmons? What's going to happen with Bradley Beal? Talk now, Bradley Beal. Why is he so mm. calm after them trading Westbrook? I think he's like, all right, I'll play here for a year and then I'll leave for free. I think, uh, I think that could be, uh, could be on his mind. Thinking no team is going to be willing to give up what what the Wizards want for me, so I'll just wait, wait it out a year and then get onto a, get onto a team and challenge for a championship from there. Call me crazy, I, I'm not surprised if he stays and he depending on what moves they make if he extends his contract depends on the moves yeah i think you're right yeah. right moves that, that they could definitely convince him to stay because i think he he does want to be on a challenging team in washington it's yeah. just a question can they do that for him yeah tell you what if <laughs> how funny of a, of a reversal would this be but the celtics are just so ravenously hungry to get beal on their team Imagine a year goes by and the Celtics fail again. And then that relationship between Beal and Tatum, maybe, maybe Tatum wants to go play in Washington. <laughs> God forbid. Oh, come on now. You know, you're not leaving Boston to go to play to Washington. Come on. The capital, the nation's capital. Yeah. But guys, thanks for sticking with us. We, we, we were able to go, jump through the draft here. Hopefully we were able to cover all the, all the excitement, all the surprises, all the disappointments. But this is just the beginning. The free agency is right around the corner. And can't wait to break it down with you next week. Looking forward to it. We never stop. Take care, man. joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment